episode 353. How do we push them in the right direction? How do we help them find that right first employer? Because if they find the wrong first employer, they're out of here, man. I mean, they're gone, right? But if we can match them up with that right first employer, boy, we got a hit. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. With over 400 collective episodes between Remarkable Results Radio, the Town Hall Academy, and the new show, For the Record, we bring you the power of the spoken word. You know, I hear every week from friends of the show that the content is really helping them in their business by listening to their peers tell their story. These long-form audio interviews are the perfect resource for everything auto care and a treasure trove of ideas, insights, and wisdom for you. Hey, welcome to Remarkable Results Radio. Carm Capriato here. Welcome to episode 353 with Kyle Holt, who is the co-founder and president of SP2. Thank you to Federal Mogul and Garage Gurus for supporting the Remarkable Results Radio podcast. Can't make it to the hands-on training session? Garage Gurus Online provides you with 24-7 access to the high-quality training you need to succeed online, on-site, and on-demand. Find out more at fmgaragegurus.com. Hey, a great way to find just the right piece of content from the library is to use the Tag Cloud. There's a special Tag Cloud page and how-to video where you can choose a subject that is of interest. A great way to learn or even catch up on the content, especially if you just discovered the podcast as an aftermarket resource. Hey, never stop learning and keep delving into our content and you might just discover your next great idea. The network of social followers, likers, and connections builds with the Aftermarket's award-winning podcast. I'm honored to make new Facebook friends. Rich Call, Jonathan Milbury, Ginny Perino-Whelan, Manny Barella, and Brenda Smith-Pulverenti. My new Instagram followers, Joe Dantuono and John Bachman. And my latest LinkedIn connections are Turo Matthews, Daniel Brown, and Andy Daniels AAM. Get connected. RemarkableResults.biz slash social. Hey, welcome to episode 353 with Kyle Holt, who is the co-founder and president of SP2 that serves businesses and career tech schools in the automotive service, collision, repair, heavy-duty diesel, and welding industries, among others. With over 175,000 students using SP2 online training a year and providing the industry data for future techs, industry developers, and shop owners, Kyle has created a system that enables us to understand why 40% of students that enter the industry leave it within the first two years. An example of forward thinking, Kyle built a training template on how to create the right resume. They are not just building careers, they are nurturing offering an innovative mentor training program which has its own mobile website in which mentors can log in and comment and grade a student based on a task list. This is a great tool to help retain students within the industry. Find the key talking points in Kyle's bio at remarkableresults.biz slash E353. Kyle says there was an estimated 38,829 auto tech grads in 2016. Demand for new entrants is estimated at 75,900 per year. And we know that 40% of the students that enter the industry leave it within the first two years. Disturbing numbers. Don't you agree? Now, I know you're feeling this pain. Don't sit on the sidelines. Your help is needed to develop a strong career path and bring value to careers in the automotive. This episode is worth your time. The more you know, the more you can help. Welcome to episode 353 with Kyle Holt. Hey, a warm welcome to Kyle Holt, president of SP2. 
Hey, Kyle. Hey, Carm. Thanks for having me today. I'm thrilled that you're here. There's so much to talk about, by the way. Um, you're an online training company. Yes, yes. We've been doing online training since 2002. Most people know us for safety and environment content, but we've expanded that out to include ethics training, HR, soft skills, and uh, now we're entering the, the mentoring uh, space. Can't wait to hear about it. And I know that you grew up in the collision business and your dad did something really cool. Oh, yeah. What's that? Well, he started CarStar. <laughs> that is what he is known for, Carm. How was it growing up in, in the collision business? It was fascinating. I, I never knew anything different. When he had his shop, uh, his own shop, until I was five years old. He sold that, did the 3M arms program for several years, and then started CarStar when I was, uh, I was only 11 years old. Uh, in fact, my, my brother, when he was nine, named CarStar. We were sitting in a little Italian restaurant and a nine-year-old boy named Carstar. So uh, that was really cool. I got to see uh, I got to see fantastic franchisees, great businesses. I got to see sh shops go from doing uh, you know seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year to multi-million dollar shops, uh, multi-locations. I got to see families uh, make a lot of money. I got to see a lot of dysfunction uh, as well. And, you know, that kind of comes with the, with the territory when you're dealing with uh, 250, 300 franchisees across the country. Well, it's good to hear. You've got the industry, the aftermarket in your DNA. Okay, good. So how in back in 2000 did SP2 start? Well, you know, I probably have a little bit too much of the industry in my DNA. You know, being a, a, a six-month-old to a five-year-old running around a body shop, I probably got a little bit of the, uh, the paint fumes still circulating through my blood right now. <laughs> we started SP2 because of something that happened to Laryl before I was even born. Um, he had a, uh, a group of technicians, and they weren't wearing their personal protective equipment. And he brought them all over to his house. He had their wives, their girlfriends come with him uh, and, and, and join them. And uh, he had what he called the chili chew out. And it was really directed at one technician who didn't wear his respirator when he was painting. I mean, he flat out refused to. He said, look, I love you guys. I care for you. I'm going to say this in front of your, your wife or your girlfriend. If you won't wear your personal protective equipment, I will fire you. And it was an ultimatum. And Matt would not wear his respirator. Unfortunately, Matt passed away just a few years later. Uh, he actually dropped dead in front of his 10-year-old son at a 7-Eleven on a Sunday morning. And he was only 32 years old. That ain't right. And um, that has stuck with him for many years. He can't even tell the story anymore. I tell the story. But that incident that that desire to have done something more is was really the trigger and we were looking at how can we help the industry be safer be more environmentally compliant and um and boy we we realized that we could put some content together put it online and get it out there and train train the industry so you started basically by saying to the world hey there's these osha rules we, we need to help you get compliant right well look our industry for a long time either ignored OSHA rules or and definitely ignored environmental rules. We've got a, unfortunately, we've had a stigma for a long time that we're dirty, we're unsafe, we're unethical, we're unclean, we're a bunch of grease monkeys. And we've been changing this industry significantly over the past couple of decades. 
But that stereotype has followed us. Well, if we can really do what we should be doing and care for our employees, care for the the communities that we work in, maybe we can make a, a radical change in that perception. So you're the help. You're the pivot. You're the expert that helps the shop owner um, get the word out to their techs or to force policy uh, or, or to become, as you say, OSHA compliant? Part of it is they've got to make the decision to to do that in their facility. They've got to, just by taking the training doesn't automatically make you OSHA compliant. Exactly. But the law is that whenever an employee starts to work at your business and annually thereafter, and any time that the um, the shop environment changes, you have to provide industry specific safety training to that individual, and and it's got to be for all of the people that are in that situation. So we put SP two out. It's one price to train everybody in the facility. And what we want to do, Carm, is we want to be the the impetus to help shops get that training done. They do have to provide. Uh, safety training, industry-specific safety training, when somebody starts at a company, annually thereafter, and anytime the shop environment changes. We've set it up so that they can train everybody in their facility for one price. That's our goal. Let's train everybody and make this industry safer. SP2, what's it mean? Uh, Where'd you come up with the name? Initially, it stood for safety and pollution prevention. Uh, it really, it's changed. I mean, it, now it's just a brand. It, you know, it, it's one of those things where you say SP2 and they think of us as either the safety people or they think of us as the, uh, the people who are working with the career tech schools to help students find career opportunities. Aha, you just broke the code. <laughs> My listener wants to know, okay, Carm, this is really cool stuff, but what else? And you just mentioned it. How did the evolution of getting and and working in in the in career tech and with all the online training that you're doing? You know, we actually started by just giving our SP2 training away to the career tech schools. And a- after a while we did have to charge. We had so many people using it. We got to a point where we needed to charge, but we kept that price point really really low. And today, Carm, we've got over 175,000 students that use SP2 every year. We saw an opportunity with the technician shortage, with this with this crunch that we've got in really all of the the um, the trades. We saw an opportunity to help match those students up with the right first employer, and so we built a database that we call SP two Careers. And in just the last eighteen months, we've added over thirty six thousand resumes to that database, with over twenty seven thousand of them being entry level automotive technicians. I'm talking with Mike Zralik, a technical product specialist with Federal Mogul Motor Parts. Mike, are you an extension of the technical support center we all know as Garage Guru? Most definitely. You know, I spend a lot of time there. Um, I'm involved in all the classes that go on there. I actually host classes there, such as our ASC test prep courses. Um, So very much so an extension of that. Mike, you're in the shop. So what's the greatest outcome that you see from the techs and service advisors that you're spending time with? Not only are they learning about great product, but we get to talk shop. So like, you know, I was in a shop earlier today and we were talking about some electrical diagnosis he was doing and he was actually having a problem finding some schematics and we were able to work with that and talk back and forth. So I was able to get educated on a problem he's having in the field, you know, where I can share that with others and and I can share other ideas from other people with him. 
Do you actually put product in the hands of the technicians? You have to. That's, you know, in, in this industry, a lot of guys are like myself. You got to touch it, feel it, play with it. You know, just telling them about features and benefits isn't going to sell it. You put it in their hands, that's going to sell it hands down. So you take the new Wagner OEX brake pad and you put it in someone's hands. What, what happens? First thing they do is say, wow. Uh, you know, and they, then they start asking questions about the unique design of it, the unique shape, and, and the purpose of that. You know, and they're very blown away by the technology that we put into it. They're amazed by it, and they're they're loving it. Eyes light up, aha moments. You bet, you bet. And why is it taking so long to get this out in the market? And I need them, and I want it right now. Exactly. Federal Mogul Motor Parks' Garage Gurus is your go-to source for the vehicle training, technology, and answers you need to keep your next job on track. On-site, online, or on-demand, the gurus are here to help keep your business and your career on the road to success. Visit fmgarageguru.com. So how does this take the bite out of the technician shortage? It's really hard to go find um, experienced techs who are, are just walking the streets and don't know where to go find a job. That's like finding a unicorn, right? Every, every experienced tech knows exactly where they can go for their next job. What we saw the opportunity to do was let's help the entry-level students enter and stay in the industry. We've got so many students who graduate and never actually enter they're the trade that they've been study for, studying for, whether that's automotive service, collision repair, heavy-duty diesel, let's help them enter our industry. What do you know about the graduation rates and, and people staying in the industry? I think that there's a lot of challenges there. I don't know if you're familiar with the Tech Force Foundation, Carm. I think oh, that absolutely, you've, and we've interviewed Jennifer a couple of times. Absolutely. That's right. Yes. That's right. So, mm-hmm. so Jennifer and Greg and their entire team, they put together a report back in October of 2017 and showed what the annual demand is across all, all three of those segments, auto service, collision repair, and diesel. Every year, we've got an annual demand of over 121,000 new technicians. And for those three different programs, in 2016, we only graduated about 57,000. So that leaves a shortage of 65,000 that has to be made up by high school school grads and or other entry-level sources like uh, returning veterans, uh, bringing somebody in out of McDonald's or Walmart. But that, that also has to assume that everybody that graduates enters the industry, and we all know that that's not true. No, you know, I, I belong to uh, on the advisory board of Erie Community College here in western New York, and, you know, we've got some pretty interesting stats of, you know, when the freshman arrives and how many actually come out the senior level. And then uh, I think the, the word, based on a recent survey, was about 40% of the grads who entered the industry didn't stay in it after a couple of years. That's right. 40% of students that enter the industry are exiting our industry within the first two years. That's not sustainable. We can't do that. And by the way, good on you for being on the board for your local career tech program. I really appreciate that. I'm sure they do too. We need more people who are participating with the schools out there. I'm an advocate. I've got some great ideas on how to further the independent support 
of the local college. And in fact, I ran it by a local business development group. And, and I really want to do a show on it coming up here soon. By the way, let's go back to TechForce and Jennifer. It was at Apex last year where I did my second interview with Jennifer, and she brought that data on that on the on the gap. Uh, a great program. I think we all need to you know get onto TechForce.com, check it out, and I appreciate the work that you're doing inside the organization. And, and another reason you're here, Kyle, is that you're going to be on a panel with me, with Chris Chesney, with Donnie Cipher at Apex this year. And uh, I, I'm excited to have you and I'm ex- excited to moderate this panel. We're going to call it Automotive Career Pathways, the Road to Great Technicians. And no doubt what I'm hearing from you, what a great panelist you're going to be. It's going to be November 1st, 2 p.m., at the Venetian uh, Marco Polo Room 701. It's going to be the general session for the service professionals at at Apex. Uh, Glad to continue this dialogue uh, about the technician shortage and what can we do as an industry about it? And also, where are the career pathways for our students that are joining the industry and how do we qualify them up and through the ranks? So I, I'm just so excited to continue that dialogue. Let, let's discuss this 175,000 students that you're working with. And did you say that was per year? Yeah, that's every year. Now, some of those students are going to graduate and move on, and some of them will be with us for another year. Uh, you know, most of the students are in some kind of a two-year program. Some may be in for a little bit longer. Some may be only in for a year. But those students... You know, we fit, we figure about half of them are graduating every year. And how do we push them in the right direction? How do we help them find that right first employer? Because if they find the wrong first employer, they're out of here, man. I mean, they're gone, right? But if we can match them up with that right first employer, boy, we got a hit. Okay, tell me how you do it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat. How do we continue to train them? Do we build a, an online resume? What, what are you doing with the data and, and, and the, the pull that SP2 has? This would have been about January of 2017. We introduced a brand new course called In That Job, Building a Resume, because we want to help these students land that job, right? A no-brainer. Yeah. 35 minutes to go through the resume. The first half is about what to do and what not to do on a resume. The second half is literally fill in the blank form fields where the student puts in their contact information, their work history, if they've got any, uh, their education, their volunteer uh, activities, their certifications that they've received, relevant job skills, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of 35 minutes, they've got a downloadable PDF resume or they can print it out. And that is a, I mean, it's a professional looking resume that they can take with them to help them find a job. They also have the ability to push that resume into our SP2 careers database where it can be seen by industry professionals who are looking to hire entry level techs. If you're looking for the, the experienced guys who've got 20 years of experience, man, SP2 careers is not the place for you. But if you want to grow your own, if you're looking at that going, hey, look, I better start building my pipeline now. SP2 Careers has the largest database of entry-level technicians in the nation. Isn't that what it's all about today? It, it, it has to be. It has to be. It has to be. You know, are we going to stop poaching from each other right now? No way. No way. That's going to continue. And, and we all wish that weren't the case. We all wish there were so many technicians that we didn't have to worry about poaching. But the reality is, is we're going to continue. 
but we've got to start building our own. We've got to start growing our own technicians. We've got to fill that pipeline. And we want to be a part of that. I so totally believe you're so right. If every shop decided to grow their own and take one, you wouldn't have anybody left in your database. Hey, great. Fantastic. You know, and, but you know what happens is we've got a new batch of students coming in next year. Like literally, uh, let's see, today is, uh, it's, we're just about to start August. August 9th, we will have the students start back to school this year. And we will do more training in six weeks than we'll do in the rest of the year combined because every school that uses SP2 makes those students go through their safety and environmental training before they enter the, the work area because you don't want them to go back there and have an injury. We'll have, we'll have students starting to create their resumes now, and they will be able to continue to update those throughout the course of the year, and industry can start recruiting from them at any time. So, Kyle, do department chairs just pick up the phone and say, hey, we need a resume builder course, or did you recognize the importance of it and include it? Well, it was a little bit of both. It wasn't the department chairs. It, there were instructors who said, we have to have resume building as part of what we're doing, whether that's for um, in conjunction with their NATEF accreditation or in conjunction with Skills USA. So there, was, there were instructors asking for help on that because a lot of instructors aren't professionals at building resumes themselves. Um, and so we saw an opportunity there. But also, we, we did see we've got 175,000 students using this training. Why don't we help create a, a, an entry point, a bridge between industry and education to help these students find opportunities. I love it. Uh, uh, you also told me you're doing ethics training, human resource training. Uh, God, give me a little bit about, you know, the evolution of those courses. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to give my father credit on the ethics one. He said, look, we've got a problem. We've got a, and, and this is a problem with the uh, consumers seeing us as an unethical industry. Let's go ahead and let's tackle some of the main ethical uh, ethical issues that are going to pop up in the uh, automotive environment. And, and some of them are are pretty complex. Some of them are simple as, as like if you find a $20 bill underneath a customer's seat, what do you do with it? Do you put it in your pocket? Do you put it, uh, do you take it into your manager? You know, you know, what if you stick it on the dash and say, found this, thought you'd want it, and put it right there where the customer can see it? Show them how ethical we are as an industry. Let's, let's do the, not just do the right thing, let's go one step further and let's change perception. So that, I love that one. Yeah, kudos to Dad. We, I've heard a lot of great stories about uh, in, in during the interview process, they they will actually, a shop owner would say to any tech or any service advisor, they would give them an ethics choice. Um, it's not hard to realize if you're inside of a, a, an interview what you would say. But I love changing the minds and, you know, if you will, building the foundation at the post-secondary level. Kudos to you and, and your dad for that. Uh, what about the HR part? We know that there are issues with HR in our industry and, and knowing what to do and what not to do. But what really set this off were some instructors who were saying that they were losing uh, female candidates to their program because of the things that were being said by their male students. And obviously, this has been uh, historically a male-dominated environment, but the young women that come into this industry are phenomenal. I, I mean, whether it's technically 
whether it's uh, socially and whether it's um, just managerially, they're typically uh, more caring for the customer. They are more focused on uh, doing the uh, the right work than a lot of the their male counterparts, but they aren't given the respect that they often deserve. So we need to do a better job of making this an all-inclusive environment. And we can't have a young woman who comes into a program and we're losing that technician candidate because of something one of her peers said. That's just not, that's not okay. It's not. You're right. And uh, I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, do you see uh, this kind of training being done more at, in post-secondary within the, fir- you know, the freshman year? Or are they relying on your course to bring this sensitivity training? Well, I think some some are using our course and some are using something that already exists in their program. Um, you know, the, the HR courses are just as much for industry as they are for education. However, I will say this, our soft skills courses are really more intended for education than they are for industry because one of that was a request from industry saying, look, the students coming out don't have the communication skills. They don't have the uh, personal professionalism. They're showing up looking like they just rolled out of bed. They didn't brush their teeth. They didn't tuck their shirt in. Come on, guys. We've got to have better personal professionalism out there. Boy, are you right. I remember being in a uh, in a roundtable panel uh, at the college. where They were asking industry, how are we doing with our students? And <laughs> soft skills came up. And, and and how important that is. So, you know, I guess I continue to question the two-year program. Maybe it needs to be a longer program. So there's additional courses that sets the students up as a more well-rounded person that can get get inside of industry. I mean, I think the, the, oper- the career opportunities are going to open up so large in the future. And I think opportunity for growth uh, to, to be shop managers, to be uh, service, you know, managers. I, I think there's so much opportunity today. We've got to make our students more prepared. Yes. We need to show those students a career pathway but they also have to be prepared to take on that career path, and they have to have the, the soft skills and, and personal skills to take that on. I was just at the ASC Instructor Conference last week, uh, and, and I, I, I love this conference. It's one of my favorite conferences. I wish more instructors would go because it's phenomenal. But in our presentation, we said, look, you've got to implement soft skills training. Whether you use SP2 soft skills courses or you do it yourself or you've got a counselor or whatever, do something because unfortunately, and whether th- this may not be fair, but many students, their soft skills have to be learned. And they may have been learned from mom and dad. They may have been learned from friends. And they may not be good soft skills. They may be really terrible. And those students that come out with bad soft skills, that doesn't reflect on mom and dad. That doesn't reflect on their friends. That reflects on the instructor and the program. So whether it's fair or not, industry's expecting the instructors <laughs> to break 18 years of bad soft skills before that student comes out into the shop. So where'd you learn your soft skills? Oh, Facebook? Hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> How dangerous and and how important! Uh, glad to see this. Uh, I also see that you've uh, you're also working in construction, culinary, welding, and cosmetology. I mean, yes, no, no doubt yes. this stuff can trans transcend many industries. 
Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we had to create industry-specific um, safety and environmental courses for those programs because we found that, they, that there were a lot of them using our automotive program because they didn't have a better alternative. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is not going to help you if you have an accident or an incident within your facility. So we created those additional courses. But the soft skills courses are exactly the same for all of them. Now, ethics is different. And interview skills is different. You interview different if you're an automotive student than if you're a cosmetology student. But personal professionalism, communication skills, those are all the same. What do you hear from the student that you've helped? You know, it's funny. We Oftentimes, we don't actually get to hear much from the student except when they're calling us and they're saying, I, I can't remember my codes and I need to get into my training. But we do get feedback at the end of courses, and um, some of the feedback is goofy. You know, I want a taco, and uh, this course sucks, uh, because they, they, they're looking at it going, I, I just want to get done with this so I can get back there and train. But we do, we get a lot of students that say, I didn't know this, or I'm glad I took this, and we can't prove a negative, Carm. We can never prove how many students we've kept with all 10 fingers, you know, or, or how many students... Uh, are going to live an extra couple of years because they're going to wear their respirator and, and not be inhaling those uh, uh, awful chemicals or those students that are going to actually live because they, they put a jack stand under the car when they wouldn't have. I can't prove that negative, but boy, I know every night when I go to sleep that we've helped somebody out there and we're making a difference. I'm a um, big 10-bay mechanical shop. And I know that I need to comply to OSHA. Am I a candidate for your company? Absolutely. Literally any size facility can use our training. It is industry specific. It's, you know, it's going to deal with 95% of the issues that any shop is going to face. Now, look, there are certain things that have to be done within a shop environment. It, you know, what your equipment is, one piece, one lift may have different safety procedures than another lift. Uh, general lift it, uh, safety is covered within SP2, but you may have to do something very specific to a piece of equipment that you've got. And because it's online training, we're not going to be there to pick up your mess behind you. You've got to do the right thing in your shop. But if your staff knows the right thing to do, they'll make that happen. And the students that are coming out of the career tech programs, they've already had their SP2 training. They're oftentimes bringing their certificates with them. That's an industry-recognized credential. And when they walk into a shop with that, that shop can know, okay, this student already knows the safety issues and environmental issues that we're going to have to deal with. That actually helps me make, make that hire easier. So I've had an OSHA audit before, and if I'm a shop owner and I've gone through your uh, process, is that is that uh, going to be looked on pretty well from OSHA? Absolutely. Absolutely. First thing they're going to do is they're going to ask for your paperwork. They're going to say, give me your OSHA 300 logs. I want to see all the records of what you've done. I want to see that you've trained everybody. And when you're, if you say, uh, 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 I, I don't have any of that, it's going to go real poorly for you. If you're able to say, well, here's my training for each one of my my uh, associates here, I can give you the the online access where you can see all of the information, or I can give you other certificates. Here's my OSHA 300 log. Here, you know, it's all filled out. I've got all that paperwork in front of me. It makes that whole process so much easier. They're going to immediately 
take the le- the tone way down, it's going to be a lot easier for that shop. Got it. Hey, I know you're working uh, with ASE on mentoring programs. Yes. I'm so excited about this. Man, Carm, we're so excited about this. So I've got to give a lot of credit to uh, Tim Zilke and Trish Serator and Jen Holland over at ASE and the ASE Education Foundation. Boy, working with them has been great. Um, they saw an issue going on with their uh, AES mentoring program. And and we've been talking about wanting to put a mentoring program together. They were looking at their program saying, look, it's a little outdated. We're it, There's too much put on the shoulder of the instructor. How do we take this to the next, uh, the next level? How do we take it digital? And we said, look, we want to do this. And, and we were all wanting to do the same thing at the same time. So we said, let's join forces on this. Let's, let's do something that can positively impact the industry for decades to come. And so what we started with was training programs, three programs, one for the mentor, how to be a mentor, what's expected of me, my roles and responsibilities, one for the mentee, apprentice, intern, call it what you want, but we call it a mentee, um, one for the mentee on what's going to be expected of you, and then one for the manager, the person in the facility, in the shop, who's actually going to be overseeing that mentor-mentee relationship. Too much to ask an instructor to do that from afar. The manager at the facility needs to be the one that's managing that, dealing with tool plans, pay plans, et cetera, et cetera. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense. Uh, we've heard enough on the podcast over the over 400 plus episodes here and the <laughs> stories come in and they say, yeah, I did this and I chose poorly. And, you know, I, I chose poorly right. the person that was going to be the mentor. And you're probably going to agree with this statement. It doesn't necessarily have to be the most senior member of the shop. It rarely, rarely should be the most senior member in the shop. And so is, does the manager training include how to pick correctly? It does. Now, it's not going to um, evaluate that, that mentor's uh, psyche and whether they're the right person, but we, we do bring up red flags. Like This should be somebody who has great communication skills, great one-on-one skills, wants to be a mentor. I mean, that's a big thing. You've got to structure your pay plan so that the mentor doesn't lose money. And, and that's key because if they start, if they say, sure, I'd love to be a mentor and they start losing money, they'll sabotage the program. So we talk about the things that you should be looking for and the red flags that you, you should stay away from. Well, what we're finding is that usually your best technician, just keep that person working on a vehicle, whether, you know, that may be, that person may have been there for 30 years at your facility, keep them working on a, on a vehicle. Um, but find that person that, that can relate to a young entry-level tech. Maybe they were the most recent entry-level tech at your facility and they've moved to the next level. And if they can help the next person to, you know, when you, you can't be promoted until you can be replaced. If they can replace themselves with the next entry-level tech, they can move up a level. Does that make sense? All kinds. (laughs) When we were talking with ASC about this, they said, Look, we need to be able to work together on this training and how do we how do we do something that that helps the the entry level tech and the mentor evaluate uh, what's going on in this process? And we said, look, we're, we're going to create a mobile optimized website that can you can pull up on literally on your phone. You log in. 
you choose which of the NATEF task lists you want to use, whether that's the maintenance and light repair, automotive service, collision, or medium heavy truck. You've got all those tasks there as a mentor. And as you watch your, your mentee go through a process, you can then grade that, that, uh, that entry level technician on a, on a one through five scale. We give them the scale on, on how to, how to rate them. What, at one being, um, they're learning it, but can't do anything yet. Uh, two being they can do the task sometimes, but need help. Three, they can do the task most of the time without help. Four, they can do it all the time without any help. And five, they're such an expert. Everybody in the shop is coming to them. You know, w- with an entry level tech, you're just trying to get them to a three, right? Let's get them where they can do the task most of the time without any help. They can start making money for the shop right there. So those mentors can track their their mentee on the fly, and that can be seen by both the manager at the shop and the instructor at the school. So here I am, a mentor inside the shop. I'm going through this program. Am I only living within those task lists, or am I, you know, working completely in the shop doing whatever tasks they give me and and the mentor's responsibility is to say "Ah, i know we're working on this one particular task area this is a great job to give bob or sally uh, to to work on and so at the end of the week at the end of maybe 10 days we open up the task lists in the mobile app and we go back and discover you know some of the areas that we covered Oh, I think that's going to happen. I think that's absolutely going to happen. And we're still brand new on this, Carm. We just launched the tracking mechanism. So we're going to see a lot over the next 12 months on how mentors are using this. So is this called alpha or beta? Oh, boy, you can call it whatever you want. We're just calling it a pilot right now. Okay. So um, what we're doing for the 2018-2019 school year, we're just giving away access to the mentoring training and the mentoring tracking mechanism to any business that wants to use it and any school that wants to use it. So we just announced this last week with at the ASE Instructor Conference. It's free. Let's, let's just systematize mentoring for everybody. If you've already got a great program, use it. But if you don't, we're going to make it real, real easy for you. Okay. How, how does somebody get access to that? All, all they've got to do is contact us at SP2. That's it. Just reach out to us. I love it. It's it's brand new. It's ready to rock. And uh, you're going to obviously develop it, make changes to it, take input on it, and and make this uh, the kind of program that's really going to make a difference in, in a in a mentor-mentee relationship, which is so many people go through it, they don't know what to do and how to make it work. Yeah. We're going to find something that we never even expected and go, oh, man, if we add that, it makes it so much yeah, easier. Yeah. But let, if we can all be working off the same system, if we can all be speaking the same language, both at the education level and at industry level, if we're all speaking the same language, we'll all get on the same page and we'll all be working together to help get more students in industry and stay there. This absolutely lands uh, so square into the road to great technicians. Wow, this is it's exciting. I'm so happy to learn about it. Hey, did you go to Skills USA? I did. I did. It was great. It was great. But you know what? I, I, I want to tell you a quick story about Skills USA that kind of made me sick to my stomach. So we work the automotive service technology competition, and we've got the safety and environmental station. I had two uh, two participants, two competitors, and 
they were done with their test. They're sitting there. They, they don't have anything to do. We can ask them questions as long as it's not what's your name or what school do you go to or where are you at, right? They, we don't want any kind of uh, um, anything like that. But we can ask them just generic questions. And I said, I've got one question I'm going to ask. And this was the only time I got to ask it. I said, what got you interested in automotive service technology? And the first student said, oh, man, you shouldn't even ask me. I'm not even in auto service anymore. And I said, what are you talking about? You're, you're one of the top 50 post-secondary competitors in the nation. And he said, no, I'm out. I'm out. I, you know, I, I wasn't getting enough money. I couldn't afford the tools. Uh, my my fiance's uh, dad has a small engine repair shop, so I'm going to go work for him. I'm going to make more money. I don't have to buy my own tools. I'm like, oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. This is one of our top 50. And I turned to the other guy and he goes, man, I'm in the same boat said, I'm out of automotive service already. I'm like, oh, come on. I asked this question. Two guys, they're both out already? He said, he said, I'm not totally out of the industry. I'm just working for Penske on the diesel side now because I can make more money there and I don't have to buy all my own tools. So, hey, it was a no-brainer for me. And I'm looking at it, just shaking my head going, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Two of our top 50 and they're already – well, at least one's still in transportation, but the other one's in small engine repair. He's he's gone. We lost him. I'm moved by that story, and I and I wonder when the, as the industry listens to this and they 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 hear you speak and and we tell these stories over and over again. Um, we do some hit upside the head, you know, stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's getting in the way of changing this paradigm in our industry? We've definitely got an issue with pay. We definitely have an issue with pay, but so, but it's not the only issue. And if we if we act like it is, then we're fooling ourselves. Um, we've got to show young entry level techs while they're still in a program that there's a career path for them. That's something that we're working on. And you mentioned Chris Chesney. You mentioned Donnie Cipher. I'm really looking forward to being on this panel with you, Carm, because uh, those two guys they get it. And and they're preaching the they're preaching it across oh, the industry. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've got to do a better job at showing that career path. If you get these certifications, here's what can happen. We do have to attack tool issues. I think in a different way than we've done it in the past. I don't think we can rely on young entry level technicians being required to buy all of their own tools uh, in order to start working in our industry. It's a it's an antiquated process and. Uh, you know, I've got some radical ideas, but they're, I'm not, I'm not even going into that right now. That I've, I've got too much on my plate to even try to look at how we, how we work on the tool issue. We've got to work as an entire industry to fill that pipeline like the Tech Force Foundation is trying to do, to help them while they're in school, like ASE and like the Collision Repair Education Foundation, to help them transition out into the industry, like what we're trying to do. And then we got to help them stay there with great mentoring, great training. We've got to lift and support these young entry-level techs or else we're going to be in worse shape a couple of years from now, way worse shape. You hear guys say, yeah, I got, you know, $50,000, $80,000 worth of tools, and they're very proud, you know, fingers under the armpit. Because I did, you you have to. And and, I, and I'm wondering if that maybe is the wrong mentality today uh, with how the world has changed, with how 
the competitors to this industry have figured it out. The forklift people, the small engine people, the, the big fleet companies, they've pretty much figured out. I, I remember interviewing a tech who, who left the industry, and, he, and, he, you know, and in the episode, he told the reasons why. Because we were doing the uniform, the shoe allowance, and, and the tools, and, and the pay. Uh, wow, talk about techs being there for the pickings. It's hard enough to find uh, a B an A tech, let alone uh, lose someone to it to uh, to the identical job in another place with a completely different program. So, uh, you know, uh, we cover this an awful lot on the podcast, and and I guess the challenge is is to the owners that are listening uh, and the techs who are going to become owners someday. Uh, let's stop doing what we've always done. Let's do some reinvention here. I did a show in Academy on uh, buying technicians' tools, and I'm preparing to do another one, a follow-up. Not only did we discuss why we should do this, but the next show is going to talk about how to do it. I really want to hear about that. And, and so I, I'm looking forward to that one. And and I will say that there are some facilities out there that have uh, – they've realized that if they buy – the toolbox and all the tools that need to be used in a bay. So as a technician, please don't bring your tools to work. Just show up. You come to work. We've got all the tools. Entry-level techs look at that and they go, oh, cool. I don't have to buy the tools. They show up to work. If they want to leave that job and go somewhere else, guess what? they're going to have to buy all the tools for the next place. And they go, man, maybe I don't want to do that. That could cost me tens of thousands of dollars just to switch jobs. It's an amazing retention tool. And there are a few really interesting uh, programs out there that some of the uh, some of the shops and some of the dealerships and some of the organizations are doing. Yeah, no doubt a retention program, but also uh, one step further, and it, that would be a, a tuition reimbursement program also. I mean, this whole thing, you know, what, you, what you've talked about here on the podcast is, is all about um, tomorrow's, um, and tomorrow is today, by the way, of how we're going to <laughs> right. have to bring on these, these graduates. And we've got great challenges at post-secondary to keep the students there, to get them interested, to, to land them um, uh, jobs, be it in, in a mentoring program, uh, and and keeping them, so you know. Wow, this was so interesting, uh, Kyle. We we went to in a lot of great places. Uh, great company. I uh, can't wait to uh, work with you in uh, at Apex. Uh, and of course, um, I hope everyone gets out to Las Vegas and, and goes to Apex, and of course comes into the uh, to the room that we're going to be in to, to to really talk about where our future is going. First of all, I'm so excited that NASDAQ and ASC and, and, and companies like yours, and and there are all, there's a lot of rumble going on in the industry of how we fix our problems. And I and I do believe there's going to be a coming together of, you know, maybe not necessarily united under one umbrella, but I think the missions are, are all going to be the same. And I think we're going to, uh, I think there's going to be a point in time where people are going to stop fighting and join the cause. That's right. No single company is going to be able to uh, solve this entire issue. You know, hey, look, if if your shop is looking for to for to find entry level technician candidates, come to sp2.org. We want we want you to come check out sp2 careers, but we're not going to be the end all. Everybody's got to work together if we're going to solve this major, major issue. So many great things going on. Kyle Holt, president, sp2 online training and 
everything else we talked about. <laughs> wow. Carm, thanks for having me, man. This has been fantastic. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you, Kyle Holt, for joining us on Remarkable Results Radio and sharing your passion. I loved the mobile mentoring app to help develop a solid career path to help ensure a solid and long career in the automotive. No doubt this would be a great tool for retaining students within the industry. Find the key talking points, additional bio information, and website links at remarkableresults.biz slash E353. And hey, don't forget about the mounting interviews and roundtables with technicians and educators. You can find the series listed on the show notes sidebar on the website. Spend some time and see the mountain of content that will inspire you to find the next level in your life and career. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Email me, carm at remarkableresults.biz. Hey, we'll talk soon. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.